sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my man Kevin Walsh with me, as always, every weekday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You keep it locked and get everything you need to make it, hopefully, a profitable day for you. We also try to put the fun in functional sports content as we do it. And, Kev, we've got football games to discuss because week one is here. The Chiefs are already 1-0, and your Philadelphia Eagles will be looking to do the same thing Kev on Sunday in our nation's capital they are five and a half point road favorites 42 and a half is the total in this one Kev I gotta ask you you gotta keep your eye on the injury report I guess right because I want to know who's gonna be out there for Philadelphia Miles Sanders is limited it looks like Alshon Jeffrey is still a couple of weeks away but on the bright side first round pick Jalen Rager was one of those positive trending things with the injury report, right? It looks like he was upgraded to a full participant. You may see your first round pick week one. The question is, who else are you going to see? What do you think is going to happen here for Philly? Yeah, listen, you know my frustration level that exists with the uh, health or lack thereof for this team. Uh, There's a reason why this number has been continuously bought down. People are starting to back a Washington team that a lot of people expect to be near the bottom of the barrel. Ultimately, I'm not sure if I play a side here, and I think uh, it, is, it would be a good sign if I don't, because I've mentioned many times, and I speak openly about this, uh, last year I bet the Eagles, I think, every single game. Uh, I would bet them when they were down. I'd bet them when it would make no sense. Uh, I had absolutely <laughs> no restraint when it came to this team. I just thought they were going to win pretty much every single game they played. It doesn't mean I thought they were going to go 16-0, and but off a loss, I'm not going to lose again. Uh, I, I'm going to try and do a little bit better about that. I don't have, you know, a lot of conviction right now about okay. this team laying five and a half. But this total, Dane, am I, am I crazy here? 42 and a half? These teams played twice last year. Mm-hmm. 59 points and 64 points, I believe, in the mm-hmm. game that Dwayne Haskins started. I get it. Chase Young, Darius Slay, Nicole Roby Coleman are new additions to this game on the defensive side of the ball. But yeah. 42 and a half, no way, no how. I got to be playing this game over. All right. I mean, for me, the way that this total works out, the question is, will Washington hold up to their end of the bargain, right? I do believe the Philly offense can still be dynamic, even if limited with limited personnel or whoever is banged up. The question for me is, will Washington put up their share of this total? Will Washington get into the 20s themselves? And the other question I had for you on Washington is, What do you think this backfield is going to look like? If we were having that conversation literally just a month ago, Kevin, the first two names we would have discussed would have been Adrian Peterson and Darius Geis. Neither one of them, Kev, are on the Washington roster. So if you like, were like, oh my goodness, the NBA bubble, let me not pay attention to the NFL news and notes until week one, you may not catch this, right? We're literally, Kevin, talking about 
um, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, Peyton Barber, and Bryce Love. No, I'm serious. That's what we're talking about. Technically, J.D. McKissick is listed at the top of the depth chart. Antonio Gibson is a rookie that some people are excited about. Bryce Love, we think, has room to ascend if he can ever stay healthy and find the form he had at Stanford as a Heisman Trophy candidate. And then you got the, what I call a jag, just a guy in Peyton Barber, but he's at least like a veteran who maybe you can feel stable with. I have no idea, Kevin, as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, including the Mightier 1090. Thanks for getting up early with us. Kev, honestly, you know, it's different when we're talking about Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb, right? Or or we're talking about Mostert or Coleman, you know, or like these are four eh, options. What's it going to look like? The hot hand? The lukewarm hand? And this is the danger for this team about you kind of mentioning them holding up their end of the bargain. And this is what's going to be interesting to see about the Eagles because, you know, the excitement there for Antonio Gibson, he's a rookie, okay. But you mentioned it, everybody else, not a lot to be over the moon about. Terry McLaurin is fantastic. But whether it's Colby Roman on the inside or Slay on the outside, they have corners that they're going to feel good about taking on that matchup. And there's not a lot of people that can let you know who option number two in the passing game is supposed to be for this team. It puts a lot on the shoulders of Dwayne Haskins to be very good. And that is where this is going to come down to. What do you believe Dwayne Haskins is? Do we believe that Dwayne Mm -hmm. Haskins can be a legitimate franchise quarterback? I think the fact that people are already trying to move on from him is ridiculous. I think it is misguided that after six games, we're like, eh, cool, great, give me Justin Fields. I like Justin Fields a lot. I just don't think that we should be moving on this quickly from a Dwayne Haskins. And that's Mm -hmm. why I still think that this team uh, should be able to produce to to their end of the bargain. But the more we talk about this, to be fair, Dane, I don't want to lay a little bit of five and a half here. Oh, yeah? Okay, fair enough. I thought you just said that you didn't want to bet the Eagles every single time. That lasted all of about 30 seconds. But, hey, it's okay. Fly, Eagles, fly. It's all good. I do want to ask you, though, about Haskins because that's where my mind went as well. Uh, You're right. It was kind of it was kind of a cluster F there, right? He came on in towards the end of the season. And remember, um, Gruden was also saying we didn't like him. He couldn't digest the playbook and stuff. He was kind of behind the eight ball, didn't have weapons and stuff. Now he has a clean slate. I agree with mm-hmm. you that maybe people are pulling the plug a little bit too quickly. Now, maybe he doesn't prove to be able to be the man. But I think it's been, you know, a little too quick to pull the plug. There is still a universe where he can bounce back this season. I would also say um, we tip our cap here at the early line to back of quarterback Alex Smith, who has made the 53-man roster, who is active after 17 surgeries. Just a good story we like to see. We got plenty more games to preview, Kev, when we come back. We are on the precipice of week one. Let's jump off the cliff and come on back. More games when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin putting the fun and functional sports content. Kev, we were talking about this game 
in the uh, commercial break. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, again, traveling uh, west to east to Atlanta for the 1 o'clock start. I know it's game one, right? So maybe they could get there a little bit earlier and there's no real rest disparity. But the body clock remains. The idea of traveling from Seattle to Atlanta is something that I personally would not be happy about right now in a pandemic. But the Seahawks will do it. The Falcons are another one of these home dogs. And it's right around a key number of three. This was one and a half at one point. It is now up to two and a half. Do you expect more Seahawks money to come in? In essence, Kev, if you want to back the Falcons, would you do it now or would you hope that you get the full three points on Sunday morning? Man, that is a great question that I am not sure on. Uh, okay. you know, this, this number is starting to Because you talked over. about the teaser, right? You talked that. about maybe liking this plus more, more points, so that's why I asked it to you in that way. No, I, I, but I, I think it's a fantastic question. I don't think anything can move this number past three. I think maybe could it Fair. land on three, considering it's two and a half minus 115. People love That's the right. Seahawks. I Seahawks is a public I, team. I think it's fair to say it could get to three. Uh, I do think, though, that you just mentioned it there, that this is a very, very strong teaser option. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you can kind of talk a little bit about getting through key numbers. But this has to do with how the Seattle Seahawks perform to open their season. Last year, they beat the mm-hmm. Bengals by one. A couple of years ago, they beat the Dolphins only by two. In, in Russell Wilson's career, the only time he's ever uh, won a week one game by <laughs> more than a touchdown is against the Green Bay Packers. He beat them by eight once, and then another time he got them by, like, Oh, is that the referee game, the strike referee game on Sunday Night Football where the refs couldn't make the call right? I I don't know if You remember that? And then the strike strike ended right because of that? Sorry, guys. Hopefully everybody come back. No, yeah, but (laughs) if you look at this team, they play super tight games in week one due to the Seahawks. So I, I think that's why I would feel good about teasing. But listen, I like the Falcons in this spot. Seattle last year, what they did was unsustainable. 7-1 on the road, that is difficult to right. beat. More importantly, go look at that team's record in one-score one, uh, football games. You just should not be able to do that. I understand having Russell Wilson gives you a better chance to execute something like sure. that. But uh, I think considering the spread, and if they're going to have to re- regress back to the mean then, as it pertains to uh, their performance in one-score games. I like the Falcons, and I think they can win this game straight up. Okay, yeah, I like where you're going. You know, Seattle is such a public team. If that gets to three and Atlanta's plus three at home, I will jump on it. I also, like you mentioned, I do think this is a good teaser option. If you are new to sports investing for this NFL season, right, the tease is when you can move the point spread, six, six and a half, sometimes seven, depending on the book and depending on how many teams you put into it. And some people really like doing that. A word of caution on that. If you are going to do it, the only time you want to do it is when you can move the line through the key numbers of three and seven, as we've talked about. The key numbers is where a lot of the game end in the NFL, three, four, and seven, or something like 60% of the outcomes here in the NFL, okay? So if you can get past three and past seven, which you can with a two and a half point spread, that becomes a tasty context for a teaser. The one question I'll ask you about this, because you got something else on this game as well, Mm-hmm. Um, if I said, and you know, some of the player props aren't out yet, but if I said uh, Todd Gurley, 18 and a half touches, what would you say? 
Over. There's okay. a big gap. That's going to be a key for me. And that's going to be a key for me for this Atlanta offense. And I bring it up also because, like, it's early. It's week one, right? Like, last, in last night's game, Will Fuller was healthy, and he performed. You know, this is going to be fresh Todd Gurley, right? So might we expect a good game? I mean, he might be in some of my DFS lineups, if you want to know the truth. Yeah, no, listen, I, I think that that's certainly an option. Just before we move on to our next game, I just wanted to make this teaser yeah. point. Last night, teaser hits any way you play it. Whether you, that's whether true. you add points to the Texans side, that's true. bring them down to the Chiefs side, over, under, as or the total. The same or the total, yeah. was a lock, period. Yeah, absolutely. That is good. You could have got, like, the, the quadruple middle in that game because it fit yeah. in that zone. That is a very good point. Let's talk about one other game. We have another home dog. Kevin, this one by the full field goal as the Los Angeles Chargers go to Cincinnati to see Joe Burrow in his debut. I'm talking about all these LSU rookies, right? Edward Hilaire showed out last night. I wonder what Justin Jefferson is going to do in Minnesota. I wonder what Joe Burrow is going to do in Cincinnati. On one side, we can be very excited about Joe Burrow in this offense and everything he did, right? On the other side, I bring my rookie narrative to you, Kevin. This will be his first time out. He has not seen an opponent with no kind of preseason games. And you know one thing I did see uh, in last night's game, Kev? I saw, I saw exotic blitzes get home last night, Kev. Right When Houston was bringing a couple of different blitzes, when KC brought a couple of different blitzes, they got there, Kev. You know what I mean? And that's also the kind of thing that can be uh, sloppy in week one. And this Bengals offensive line, Kev, which is not something to write home about to start, is going to be dealing with Ingram and Boza. I wonder if this pass rush could confuse the Kid Burrow and the Bengals. I wonder if this is a situation where the rookies there and the newness does matter. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. I think... You know, if somebody is going to be thrown off by the lack of a preseason, it would be a team that is bringing in a rookie starting quarterback. They're the only team in the league that will be doing it to start the season. So I think that is absolutely fair. Them getting three, you know, it was three and a half. People are starting to get a little mm -hmm. bit excited about Joe Burrow. Ultimately, though, Dan, you know, you and I, right, we, you know, gentlemen's bats, we're looking to find spots where, where we differ. I don't yeah, know yeah. if we found one yet. But I'm hoping that I have a spot here where you and I can just lock arms and tell me we're on the same side. Okay. I know you want your week one unders, but come on now. 41 and a half with this Bengals defense, Tyrod Taylor, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, they should be able to go out there and put up points. And Burrow and the Bengals have enough weaponry to hold up their end of the deal. Come on, Dane. Get yourself one over at least in week one. And tell me this isn't the It won't be this one. It won't oh. be this one, Kev. It won't be this one. Here's the thing. And with these totals in the 40s, right, I got you. But I... I need the team that I don't expect to do well to still get to 17 or 20. Like, Kev, there's going to be teams in week one that are in single digits this week. Like, there's, like, the Bengals could put up 10 points. 
Like, and in that environment, no, I don't think we're getting to the 40s, right? And I, I actually believe in the Chargers as almost like a DFS defense because that Joe Burrow is not going to be ready for some of this, okay? He's pretty uh, – the Chargers defense is a little bit low. Sacks and turnovers are what they are predicated on. They need a better pass-rushing duo in the AFC than these guys. And turnovers, I think the rookie quarterback could be prone to a turnover in this game. So I, I'll try and find an over for you i just don't know that it would be this heartbreaking this might be another one where i take i look at one individual team total under like we did with the jets i think this may be a case with cincinnati that we do this as well but you're all over tarad talk to me what is tarad going to do for this Chargers offense all the hype is on burrow what the Bengals are going to be like what will this Chargers offense look like for the first time in over a decade I think they're going to be drastically different from last year. I think we're going to see Tyrod uh, hopefully execute uh, a little bit of read option, make this defense second guess what they're actually seeing. I think Austin Eckler is a fantastic back that provides versatility and is incredibly efficient in the work that he provides. I don't know what the most recent update on Big Mike Williams is. Um, I know that there was trending. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Uh, but Keenan Allen just recently got paid and I think will perform. I think there's talent on this team. I think that mm-hmm. uh, what I said about the Patriots as well, being new and there not being a lot of film to go out there and try and you know figure out what they're going to be yeah. is true. Ultimately, they were probably watching Tyrod Taylor, Buffalo Bills film to try and get ready for this game. It's a long time ago, and I think that could put the Bengals behind the eight ball. Yeah, and I would say the weapons the Chargers have to offer right now are far better than anything Terod had to work with in Buffalo, and he took that team to the playoffs. We got more games to discuss, and we will do so. But first, we got Chris Welsh with the Sports Grid News Update. Come on back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. We also listen. We welcome back our radio audience around the country here on Sports Grid, especially the mightier 1090 out there on the West Coast. Thanks for waking up early with us as we talk about week one of the NFL season. Kev, this is a very intriguing game. A lot of people, myself included, I think you to a certain extent as well, are excited about year two of Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, and this Arizona Cardinals offense. Maybe Kenyon Drake can break out. We know they brought DeAndre Hopkins in. Everyone's excited for, you know, the offense this could be. Fantasy people are excited about the number of sheer plays this team will run. However, they are in San Francisco facing the number one defense last year in the NFL. The Niners are six and a half point favorites at home, just under a touchdown. We talk about those key numbers. 48 and a half is the total. Listen, what do you expect in this one? The Niners Cardinals games were interesting last year. So uh, I went back to my notes from when we were doing uh, our roster resets and remember yeah. I was week by week with everything. Yeah. And at the time, the Niners were laying eight and a half. This is a hmm. monster move then to see this number, the key number dip below the touchdown. We are talking full two points, a valuable two points. 
And now I start to wonder, could the value actually be here on San Fran? Two matchups for these teams last year. The first one, the Niners win by three. The second one, the Cardinals have a three-point lead with 40 seconds left in the game and lose by 10. Now, that uh, should not be possible, but you had uh, the bad beat machine out in full force when they had the kick return and tossed it all around and the fumble was scooped and scored and an absolutely gut-punching cover for the Niners in that one. I liked it when it was back at eight and a half all the way then. I remember, you know, it was something that I had highlighted that the Cardinals kept this close and, and that they are better. But now this game on a whole could be a stay away. Um, props aplenty will be intriguing, but I can't touch a side here now that this has dropped below that key number. All right, fair enough. And you talk about the props here. I do want to note on the San Francisco side, rookie Brandon Ayuk and the number one receiver, Debo Samuel, are banged up, limited in practice. We don't know about their availability, so keep it locked here on Sunday morning. Pro Football Today, Mike Blewett, Ariel Epstein, and myself will be giving you all of the updates. But, Kev, with those two wide receivers of the Niners still kind of up in the air, I think that will have a lot to do with the prop bets, whether it's the run game or a guy like George Kittle. So make sure you keep on following those practice reports for, you know, adding insight when those prop bets do come out. Kev, the headline game, in my opinion, of the Sunday slate of week one, the national game at four o'clock is up next, and we got to talk about it. The New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everyone's excited to see Tom Brady and Drew Brees duel, but I got to ask you something first, and you may not know where I'm going here, Kev. Do you know that um, as of now, as of right now, the Superdome is not allowed to be used for football. Um, the city of New Orleans, the state of Louisiana, is in, like, quote-unquote, phase two. Remember they had that hurricane uh, recently? The Louisiana Tech players were dispersed, and 38 of them tested positive for COVID. They're not ready yet to do this. And, like, they still haven't dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's yet. You'd think they'd want to have that locked in place by now, Kev. I mean, yeah, you would, you would like to think so. I think considering uh, everything, they probably will have it locked in place. And the only question is, if they don't, do they all turn around and go to Tampa Bay? And if so... No, they go to Houston, I think. They go to Houston. They go to San Antonio like they the did plan? after Katrina. Yes, yes. I mean, how and they got to know, like in the next 24 hours, exactly yeah. why I'm bringing this up, Kevin. They should know, but if you got to think not, they void bets, though, right? If they if they end up not playing this game in New Orleans, I think they I, have to void bets. I think it's very interesting. We've had this kind of thing happen before. Think about it. Last year, remember that game that was supposed to be in Mexico City, Kevin, but then couldn't because of the field and the Shakiro yeah. concert, right? So this is not without precedent. We would have to go ahead and double check that, but something to keep on the radar, okay? You're right. I hope they figure it out, right? And they can play in the Superdome, but I do want to put it on people's radar. It is the case right now on Friday morning that they're technically not approved to play a game in the Superdome. But let's get on the field here, wherever this game is played. This is going to be exciting. Kev, I mean, this may be an overall take with you at 47 and a half. Oh, wow. I'm, I was surprised there. I just thought that you were going to need to buy in on a low total to get over the number. 
Uh, for me, though, this is one where I'm excited to play the side. The Saints <laughs> won last year on week one by the skin of their teeth, two points, you know, 50-yarder yeah. Will Lutz walks it off. That was the first time that they won in week one since 2013. This it's team true. has just not come out the gates hot, and this is not the team to be messing around with. Now, you know, you will can certainly say that this is the most important high-level matchup that they have had in a week one that uh, there's really no room for error, and, and maybe they sometimes come out a little lackadaisical. I'm not sure if that's the case, but I got three in the hook here with Brady and the Bucks. Uh, yes, I will need to wait for the Mike Evans status to be official yes. for me to feel as confident as I am saying it right now. But three and a half plus 152, I, I like this Bucks team. I think that it's a real good roster. I think there's a lot of people that would be higher on Tampa Bay if the quarterback wasn't Tom Brady. People just don't like backing him, and they, they want him <laughs> to be terrible. I understand why. This is a very, very good football team. It is. I wonder about the defensive side of the ball a little bit, right? But under Todd Bowles, they were a little bit better last year. You mentioned Mike Evans. That is going to be the name to watch. Again, I tell you, follow the trend in the practice report. If he's not out there, boy, might people pivot to a Chris Godwin kind of prop bet or what have you. A name to note also is Scotty Miller. Um, Kev, he's like that third in the slot wide receiver, and we know Tom Brady likes to go to that kind of option, a name to keep an eye on as we keep it going with these Tampa Bay Bucks. We also know about Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, and, and LaShawn McCoy in that backfield. I've told you before, I think Leonard Fournette is going to be seeing uh, wider lanes than any time ever since he was down in Pop Warner. We have one more game to discuss. The Sunday night football opener here for week one, Kev. We talked about not knowing if a game could happen in the Superdome because of regulations and stuff. Well, through the pandemic, I was telling you, I didn't know if a game was going to be able to happen in this new stadium in Los Angeles. The debut of SoFi Stadium today as the Los Angeles Rams christen it against the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys come in, though, as road three-point favorites. 51.5 is the total on this one. The highest total on the board remaining after last night's game. Do you think this one will be another kind of offensive explosion? Uh, look, these teams played last year in Dallas, uh, and we saw 65 total points put up there. Uh, you look at these two teams, uh, I Struggle to think that there will be anything other than an offensive uh, explosion, though the total lets you know that that is what they're expecting, the 51 and right. a half, uh, I believe is the highest number on the board now that the Thursday night game Yep, outside of what happened. Yep. So, uh, but I look at these two teams, and look, they do pack a big offensive punch. I, I mean, I'll turn to you as Mr. Under in week one. Uh, is this a spot where you're still confident uh, expecting these teams to be a little bit sloppier? No, this is a pass for me. This is a pass for me um, in terms of all the totals, right? I'm not playing 16 unders, okay? Like I do, by the way, Kev, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I play all 32 unders in the first round of the NCAA tournament. This is not a blanket all 16, but I do lean that way. This would be one of the ones I would stay away from in that vein. My question for you, we've been talking about like a lot of the rookies and what is it going to look like 
Kev? What is this Rams backfield going to look like? Malcolm Brown is named and listed as the starter. A lot of people are high and excited about Cam Akers, the rookie out of Florida State. There's Henderson there as well, who was a draft pick last year, sort of underperformed. Uh, people are kind of passing him by. I Maybe a little too soon, but we don't know what this is going to look like. What do you think it's going to look like? Malcolm Brown, Cam Akers, other I'm excited about Cam Akers. You know that I, I've been excited since he's uh, landed in LA. I think by you know, I think eventually he will be the lead dog in this backfield. I, I think Malcolm Brown has a decent chance to stay involved for a while. Um, I just think that considering they took Akers, it shows what they thought of Henderson. They clearly were not impressed with what he offered them uh, last year. But it's another spot where. I think you would be hard-pressed to find me playing any of these guys in the props market. And honestly, I don't know how ambitious they're going to be when it comes to giving us props here because what do you set Cam Akers' numbers at? If Claude Hilaire was an over-under rushing yards of, I think, 57 and a half was the close at the FanDuel Sportsbook, is Cam Akers sitting there at 40 and a half? Okay, well, maybe I'll just jump on and over. That's criminally low. But how do they, how they're going to be able right. to slice that up, I think is very, very challenging. That is exactly very, very interesting. And what I would say, Kevin, you know, kind of the way that uh, I talk about this in fantasy, right? I actually might instead take the Malcolm Brown over, okay? Because if anything, those numbers on the players' totals, the Acres is going to be the public guy, right? A lot of people might be on what you're saying and like, oh, Acres break out, that sort of thing. But if I don't know that we're even going to see the 65% like we saw with Edward Hilaire. Right. I think people will forget that Malcolm Brown is going to be involved, especially early on. It's similar to what I talk about Marlon Mack vis-a-vis Jonathan Taylor. The better value may actually be Malcolm Brown. But as you know, and you are correct, prop bets won't come out until, you know, late Saturday, mm-hmm. early Sunday. So obviously the, the context and relatively speaking. But I keep my eye on Malcolm Brown, actually, because of where the public might view a. We're talking about week one, Kev, but when we come back, the NBA playoffs are on and popping. We got a game seven to discuss. We'll do that when we come back in the other one. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here. Back on the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. You cannot see us every weekday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern time, putting the fun and functional sports content. Kev, the NBA playoffs chug along as well. We talk about week one, and we are all excited about that. But there's major things going on in the basketball world as well. We got a game seven to discuss. The the, the conference finals will likely be set when we come back and talk on Monday. So let's talk about it. The Lakers take a... Big time lead in the series. They get the job done, Kevin. 110 to 100 to take the commanding 3-1 series. We've been talking about the way the Rockets play, the 
way the Lakers have been defending them. And it's hysterical. Something that was 16-0 and 0 is now apparently 0-3, Kevin, as it comes to the way the Lakers, I mean, excuse me, the way the Rockets shove all in with their style. Remember I said, they're going to keep on doing their style. The question is, is it good enough or not? And for, I guess, the third time in a row, it ain't good enough, Kev. What's most interesting, though, is, so again, game two was the mega outlier. Over 40% from three on 53 attempts. We made 10 more threes than the Lakers. And that's why, at the time, we said, even though the Lakers were up 20, did they actually just steal a win? What has happened in the last two games, Dane, and we were talking a little bit about this pre-show, what has really changed here is the attempts. Still, only three more attempts from three than the Lakers at 33. So they shot above 40% again, right? And I challenged you yesterday, are they going to do that again? And you're like, ah, they, they might. And, and they did. The thing, though, <laughs> that we expected was way, like if I would have offered you over, under 35 and a half. You know, on attempts, attempts yes. Yeah, yes. you'd have slammed and over yes. on attempts from, from this Rockets team. Dan, they shoot. On the season, they averaged 45 and a half attempts That's the thing. three per That's game. The thing. Right. They are they are getting forced off the line and they are being forced to play in on the inside. I mean, listen, this team scored a hundred points and shot 39 free throws. That is almost impossible, but the Lakers are making them play, as you like to say, left-handed. They are still not playing their style because they're being forced out and off the perimeter. Uh, I just think it's a sensational job here, the way that the Lakers uh, have seemingly cracked this code. Yeah, you know, we've talked about this in a number of ways, Kevin, right? We talked about it even over in football, right? The efficiency and the volume, the percentage is there, right? They're over 40%, which is amazing, which is the style they want to play. They're shoving all in right, on the math of the NBA, right? However, the pie wasn't as big, right? The volume just wasn't there. You know, they have now put up two of their lowest, you know, attempts, like their lowest five attempts all season long. You know, the 30 attempts they had in the previous game, the 33 attempts they had, you mentioned it, 45 attempts as a season average, okay? So with that, when you say the outlier in game two when they shot 50-some-odd, right, that's only... 10 over their season average. This is 15 under their season average. So that is a big difference. But we do have to keep it moving, Kev, because there is a game seven to discuss tonight. And I think, honestly, this has been – I know that Daz Nuggets went seven, right? But this, I think, has been the heavyweight fight so far in the NBA playoffs. This one, you know, there's the OG Ananobi Miracle 3 with .5, the double overtime thriller. You and I both think, Kev, at least I believe, we both think that Boston has been the better team. But, Kev, in a clutch situation, I, you know, like... I don't know that I'm going to go against Kyle Lowry right now. You know what I mean? Like, his performances in these spots have been incredible, I believe, in the top-end talent of Boston. I do think they are the better team. They are now two-and-a-half-point favorites to win this Game 7 and advance to see Miami. How, like, what are the keys for you in this game? What are you going to have to see, like, in the second? 
second quarter to be like, ah, okay, this is important for Toronto or Boston? What are you looking for early on? You know, it's a great question there. But the nature of this game is if we're able to look in the second quarter and say, okay, this team has control, you would almost be a little surprised. The total is 204 and a half. This they is needed overtime to, to get there last time. <laughs> Dane, they've only been able to get over that number once in this series in regulation. They, every single game in this series has gone under yeah. in regulation. In regulation. 204 and a half is outrageous. I mean, it is ridiculously low. Here's why I am most torn on this total. We've talked about this, uh, actually, when we were recapping game six. In that mm. five-minute second oh, the overtime, stretch. that was 1916 Raptors, which is a pace of a 70-point quarter, right? And you're going to, you know, that's a 280-point game. I mean, yeah, if yeah, yeah. you're able to get that kind of burst, this game goes over the number. The problem is, it is almost more likely that 1916 is the final score for one of these of quarters a quarter. right. over a 12-minute right. stretch. Yeah. I like Boston. I think there's a world that they actually would wire to wire them for what would be the third time in this series. I think their top-end talent is better, and I think that's what this is going to come down to. I don't know how this team has any legs left in them. Uh, you know, right. because, listen, they had three guys or four guys that got up over the 50-minute threshold. Boston had five. So it's not yeah. as if, you know, Boston isn't also playing their guys, you know, in a spot where they're off a ton of minutes. It's just that, you know, we've seen Toronto have to do this every single game since game two. I like Boston in this spot. I think laying the two and a half is something I feel okay about. Uh, the minus 136 money line. You want to keep it, you know, conservative, yeah. okay. But I have no idea what to do with this total. None. Kev, um, I also uh, think Boston is the better team. You know I'm holding the futures bet. We don't have to talk about that. Um, yeah. I, I, I will say this, though. I'll take the money line, not the spread. Kev, because these games are tight. These games are tight. These are last possession kind of games. Overtime is a potential. So two and a half is, you know, it is possible. The two-point win, the one-point win is possible. If I do it, I, my 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 preferred method may be on the money line. I do want to ask you about the total, though, because you mentioned the double overtime stretch, the burst, yeah. as I think you called it, right? And then you're saying, like, if that can happen, Kev, I... I, th I don't know that I want to put stock in what I saw, you know, in like minutes 53 to 58 when you said all these teams were spent, the legs were so tired. The Raptors hit six of their last six shots, bro. Like, so I don't know if I'm going to like pull from double overtime something I think I'd be able to see again in game seven. You know what I mean? So as it relates to the total bet, okay, I think instead what's more likely is that this game gets even more, uh, you know, grinded out, even more mid-90s, even more tight, even more half-court because of the stakes of Game 7. I think it goes more that direction than more of the, like, burst we saw in double overtime. Yeah, no, and listen, I'm not saying that – Okay, that burst, again, it puts us on pace for like over 250 points. What I'm saying is 
Could the Raptors have finally – you know what? I mean, it is, it is pace. It's Norman Powell. And we, this is the only way we can attack this team. Because in Game sevens, Dane, everything is snail's pace. And I right. think if the Raptors come out that way, they're doomed. I think that mm. they're then walking right into the trap mm. that uh, could be a Game 7. That's why I'm trying to offer that perspective, that I think if Toronto allows themselves to just play in the half court, I think that they will struggle to get to 90. So it's almost like you're saying they need to channel their inner Houston Rockets? Right. To be live and have that chance and play in that way. One thing I'll say that I did take to your point that I saw in game six happen. Okay, Kev, when uh, when Gasol went out with five fouls, Mm -hmm. right, they had to make this change that you're talking about. Right. When they couldn't go to Gasol, they had to play a little bit differently. And that, you know, Norman Powell had like 24 points. Right. And, and, and it was that kind of shift. Maybe it's not full on, you know, Houston Rockets. Right. But it was the same thing kind of like that the Milwaukee Bucks did for a short stretch without Giannis. They changed the way they played. And correct me if I'm wrong. What I hear you saying is you think that's Toronto's only path to the Eastern Conference finals. I, and I'm not it doesn't have to necessarily be their only path. I mean, a tight game. This team has been able to win a couple of them. Right. I just think Calario draw a charge. Them- <laughs> I just think they're signing themselves up to be unable to score if they play to the way these Game 7s have gone. Let's just make this point, Dane. Two Game 7s so far in the postseason. Nuggets, Jazz, 80-78. to 78. Yeah. Denver yeah. wins. They were favored, by the way, in that game. That's where it closed. If you And I think at one point it might have actually got to two. I know, I, I know it got to two. I don't know if it got to two and a half. But your favorite won the game. Storms mm-hmm. up. Then we had the Rockets and the Thunder, 104 to 100. Not only did it storm under that number, it's still under this 204 and a half, but once again, mm-hmm. your favorite one. So thus far, favorites, the spreads are so tight anyway, favorites straight up, cash, under in both of those spots, and those games didn't even get over 204 and a half. I'm talking a lot about this total. I think it probably would be... Uh, very silly to attack this game and expect it to finally open up when it hasn't at any point in the other six games. Yeah, I mean, this has been a physical knockdown dragout fight. Marcus Smart wanted all the smoke at the end of game six. We will see. I'm, this is one that I'm excited to watch. You know what I'm saying, Kev? This has been a very interesting series. And the Miami Heat are there waiting in the Eastern Conference Final. We do have another game as well, kind of getting, you know, the undercard billing tonight at 6.40 p.m. Eastern time. The Denver Nuggets look to stay alive in their series with the Clippers. They are getting eight points, Kev, but, you know, like, maybe they're just running on fumes. I mean, they were down 3-1 to Utah and came all the way back, but I don't think many people expect them to pull the trick over again in this one. Do they even get one, or is this the end of the series, Kev? Man, I I don't know what to make of this Nuggets team. They have been just so embarrassing, in my opinion. I I think so many people let them off the hook for uh, the way they no-showed game one, and that's why I don't find myself overly surprised the way they, you know, essentially no-showed Game four in this series. Uh, I look at this total, though, and it just feels a little bit light. But again, it might be a stubborn approach here. This has been a series that struggled to get over the number. Hasn't gone over yet. But 216, I feel like maybe we're getting a discount. 
and I was hoping, well, okay, well, maybe then I can isolate the team total for the Clippers, but 112 and a half is not a, a big time discount there. Uh, so this is a spot where I struggle to give you a, a strong lean because the Nuggets have been a team that whenever I'm on them, they, they'll let you down. And uh, when I'm right. off them, they, they seem to rise to the occasion. Fair enough. We'll see if they continue to cause fits for your betting portfolio as we move forward. But I got to tell you something, Kevin, like when we do our next show on Monday, we could be standing right at like the LALA conference final, which everyone has wanted. And on the other side, quite frankly, Miami versus either one of these teams, Boston or Toronto, I think is going to be fun and interesting. The conference finals are going to be something to take in in the bubble. Of course, when we come back here, we tie a nice, neat little bubble. On this first ever Football Friday with Dane and Kevin, we try to see if we differ, what our locks are. We'll keep it going when we come back right here on the early line. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Whoop. The early line, Dane Martinez and a candle burner, Kevin Walsh. Kevin, you're going to be on air, what, like Saturday and Sunday following all the games like Red Zone? I know you are going to be following the live lines as they happen in all the sports. But in terms of like pre-game wagers, right, getting in your money before kickoff, is there a place that you really like? What are you talking about here as a best bet for week one? Yeah, there's a lot of totals that, that have my attention. Um, yeah. Just a lot of these numbers that, that I think are light, I think there's a lot of reason to buy into some of these offenses, uh, you know, whether it be the Eagles in Washington, whether that be Stafford's return. But I think the one that I do like the most, and I think we've got a chance to potentially wait here and even get uh, a better number considering the juice right now does sit on the under, but it's over 42 points in New England and Miami. I, I've mm. said it before in this show, I think New England is going to be the inverse of what they were last year. A little bit more middle of the pack defensively, and uh, yeah. one of the better offensive units in football, at least to start the season. You might say I'm putting too much faith in Cam Newton. It's a former MVP that I think is absolutely healthy for the first time in a long time. And I think that you've got Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels being absolutely unpredictable. Uh, and I don't know if that is a, a possible scenario where anything in football would scare me more if I was in opposition. No, I hear you. For me, it's this, remember, this Patriots defense that didn't allow an offensive touchdown for the first month and a half of the season. For that game to go over, they're going to have to allow a touchdown, right? So we'll see about that. I want to tell people, let's remember the tease we were talking about. With If you move at six points, you can go through three. You can go through seven. There's a couple of cases where I like that 
with a home dog in that situation being able to do so, right? The Carolina Panthers, you could do that with. The um, Atlanta Falcons and the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday night. And you get the added bonus of the body clock travel, 1 o'clock on the East Coast, the Sunday night game on the West Coast. I'll put all three of those home dogs in a six-point teaser and get me over a touchdown. We'll talk about it. On Monday morning, and we'll see where we land. But week one will be in the books. Happy football. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next time on the LA Line. Hello, I'm Dr. David Chow, a.k.a. Pro Football Doc. I spent 17 years on an NFL sideline with the Chargers as a head team position. And I can tell you, teams don't want to tell you the whole story. That's where I come in. I know what they're trying to tell you and trying not to tell you. I know how to assess injuries and how it will impact players and teams that week. Come check out ProFootballDoc.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.